hey, everything's all better. I discovered books. Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden, and with me is my husband and co-host, Barry Laga. It snowed yesterday. How weird is that? That's messed up, man. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in New Jersey, for those of you who don't know. And uh, our kid woke up this morning, and one of the first things I do when I go in to get her is open the blinds. And, you know, I say good morning to her, of course, but I leave her in her crib before I do anything else. And... Uh, and I opened the blinds and out loud was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I mean, it was like an eighth of an inch. But, but still. it was 60 degrees the day before. Yeah, like literally yesterday then, we were outside playing yeah. just in, in hoodies. Yep. And today it snowed. So welcome to global warming. Yeah, yeah. Not a Chinese hoax after all. Not, who, who knew? Who knew? Apart from Everybody. all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, on that note, <laughs> the, it, it's been another weird week. I think it's been, what, 10, 11 days since the election. And um, I, I almost just said this is our new normal, but I, I want to remind people this is not normal. Right. So I'm not normalizing it. Um, but something I have noticed has been helping, and I think it's frankly the only thing that's been helping, is that every night before bed, um, well, sometime around, I don't know, 9 p.m. maybe, I stop looking at my phone, which yeah. normally, you know, we're sitting on the couch watching TV usually. And I'm always checking in, I'm reading Twitter, I'm checking Facebook, whatever. But I've been going so crazy that I've been stopping and like forcing myself to stop. And that means that A, we go to bed a little bit earlier and B, I've been reading a lot more at night. Fiction. Fiction. Yes. Um, Like actual paper books. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'll get to in a second. Um, But the truth is like, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously we're both readers and, and we often read before bed. That's not a surprise. But I just feel like it's been uh, probably one of my top priorities this week is get into bed early, turn off everything, and read a damn book. Yeah. And I'm finding it really, uh, really nice. And I think I said to you the other day, too, like, wow, I'm getting a lot of reading done. No, it's true. <laughs> when, when you're not obsessively reading the news and obsessively following everything on Twitter. Or, and obsessively raging. Right, and obsessively mm-hmm. raging. Yeah. So, who knew? It turns out you can do other things with that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to, like, make light of anything or, or make it sound as though, hey, everything's all better. I discovered books. Right. That, obviously, that's not the case. I'm just saying... If if you're in like me and you're in need of a lifeline these days, uh, literature has been doing that for me. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with with uh, you know turning off the world for a couple of hours at the end of the day. Right. You know, I mean, trust me, you weren't going to accomplish anything in no. those couple hours nope. that was going to change things at all. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with taking that time for yourself and, and yeah. you know. So there's yeah. a, a couple of things I want to talk about in relation to that. Sure. Number one is directly related to the election. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of conversation online about what are the books that people are going to start writing right now that we'll be reading in two to three years. Right. And I think that's a a really interesting conversation to have, particularly when you're talking about YA, because that's our space a little bit. Um, But even with a, even with, I don't know, maybe more diverse children's books and um, is there going to be really wacky 
dystopian sci-fi adult books? Like, right. what what is it? What are we all going to be reading in three years I that's going to... to be a direct result of this election? Yeah, I have to say, I, I mentioned this to you a few days ago, but if I were writing a book right now that, for example, had the president in it as a character, yeah. I, I would have to completely rethink it. Uh-huh. Because for, you know, a couple hundred years, we had a certain type of... Of person who was the president, uh-huh. regardless of what the party was, you know, they were a certain type of person. And now that's out the window. And I sort of feel like, you know, like, how, how do you write now a presidential character who tweets at a musical because he's pissed off? Right. I mean, I, I don't know how to write that. No. That's crazy. Um, and it just it sends your book off the rails. But at the same time, I feel like it's irresponsible to right now write a book where the president is, quote unquote, normal. Mm-hmm. Um because that's not reflective of reality. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm glad I'm not working on a book like that right yeah. now. Let me put it that way. If I were a better historian, I, I would know the answer to this, but it does, it does make me want to go back and look at um, what kind of art was produced during World War II. Uh, what kind of art was produced during, you know, fill in the blank here. Yeah. And, and I don't know, see if there's a pattern there. I think that's really interesting. It's tough. It's tough to do those sorts of things because information traveled so much so, differently that's back true. then. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know, right now, we are instantly aware of everything that happens, which is sometimes a good thing, but I believe is more often a bad thing because we, ha- as a result, we have no context for it and mm-hmm. no time to think about it. Um, and often not the full story. And, and almost never the full story. So... You know, as a result, uh, you know, back then it could take weeks before, you know, somebody knew about the D-Day invasion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it took longer to write books. Yeah. It took longer uh-huh. to publish books. So I don't, I mean, I think you would probably, you know, to, to see a book that sort of was reflective of Pearl Harbor, it would probably came out after the war was over. I was going to say it was five years later, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know that for sure. Yeah. I'm speculating. I'm speculating. Somebody who perhaps is better informed about this sort of thing could chime in if they wanted please to do, please do if you are do. out there set us straight yeah, that would be helpful yeah. um the other thing that i want to talk about in um in relation to this idea of escaping through literature is something you sent me which publishers weekly um wrote about so we'll include this link in the show notes is the state of book sales in the yes. first half of 2016. Which we talked about briefly on a previous podcast. There was some information from early in the year, and now there's mm-hmm. a follow-up. So adult book sales fell in the first half of 2016, about 3%. Yeah. And children's rose, but only 0.9%. It's something. <laughs> yeah, it is something. Yeah. Um, and then overall, this is a pretty shocking number. Ebooks fell 18%. That number blew me away. Yep. That's a huge huge number yeah uh and it's funny because we were just catching up on the show that we love to hate watch younger oh. on tv land which again for those of you who who don't follow um is a show set in the publishing world and i'm, I'm putting quotation marks around the word publishing because it, obviously they do not have a publishing consultant yeah. as they write this script. <laughs> like get, grab any editor from any publishing house <laughs> and pay them a hundred bucks a week to yeah. just look at the script and go no 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 yeah i mean come on but i was laughing because we just caught up on on the last couple of episodes and again, I don't know why, because we hate it so much, but um, but one of the storylines of this season is that the publishing house that the main characters work for has been sort of overtaken by a young millennial guy, like a tech guy. We've got this tech guy who wants to invest in the company. Yeah. Yes. And so obviously he's 
the most obnoxious stereotype you can imagine right. times 10 really and he tried to make the argument in an episode that um that ebooks are the future and digital apps are the future for for the book right. publishing industry and they shouldn't even be printing print books anymore and you and i looked at each other and laughed <laughs> and we were like oh clearly whoever wrote this episode has not looked at the data right. and does not work in publishing again so that was very funny but um but i am really shocked by this ebooks number and well and it's it's I think what's surprising to me is it's such a big drop, and yet, um, if if ebooks were as big a deal as everybody has said that they are, then you would have seen more than a what was it three percent drop in sales? Yeah, and YA certainly wouldn't have gone up 09 percent uh-huh. if if ebooks were that big a deal. Uh, so That's it, a good it, point. it is interesting um, that that you've had this massive drop. I mean, that, that's that's like almost a twenty percent drop in ebook sales. Yeah. Um, that, that seems significant to me. And, you know, again, for some context, um, everyone, when ebooks first came out, there was a lot of predictions about how this would destroy print. Uh, but then ebook sales leveled out for about two years. Yeah. Uh, and now they've dropped. So I, I don't know what that means. I have a lot of guesses. But I do want to ask around because I have noticed, for example, my twin sister, who has an e-reader, and often we exchange e-readers, um, the last two books she's given me have been hardcover. Huh. And I'm going to ask her why. Like, why did she purchase them in, in hardcover and not ebook? So, right. um, hey, Kelly, you have some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I think everybody made the assumption that, uh, that, that books cost what they cost because you have to print them and ship them. Right. And those are two expensive processes. And that once we had ebooks, the price would drop so dramatically because those two huge because factors those two are factors gone. taken out. But here's the thing: nobody, as far as I know, has ever shown me the math that shows that printing and distribution are significant costs. I think That's when you look point. at when you look at a lot of these publishers, they have great economies of scale, and they've been printing things on paper for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. They know how to do it. Yeah. And I believe that printing books and distributing them physically is actually a much, much, much smaller fraction of the overall cost of running a publishing company Hmm. and of publishing a book than most people think. And so there are not the savings there that everybody thinks are there. Yeah. And as a result, ebook prices have, have been... You know, like nine ninety nine, ten ninety nine. You know, depending on what they are, uh, have been higher than than some people think they should be. Yeah. Uh, there was a whole battle with Amazon a couple of years ago over that. I, I I well remember. Yes, yes, we were we were collateral damage in that battle. Yeah. And I think that, um, I I think that the real value of eBooks, and this is what I've witnessed as an author, the real value of eBooks. Uh, well, first of all, is if you find a mistake in the printed book, you can at least fix the ebook, <laughs> right. which is nice. Uh, it, it's a nice thing. But the other thing is that you can adjust pricing on the fly. So your publisher can decide, hey, you know what? You've written a horror book. It's Halloween coming up. So for two weeks leading up to Halloween, we're going to drop the price of your book to $1.99 right. and try to get a lot of people to read it. Now, you don't make nearly as much money, of course, because mm-hmm. $1.99, you know, when you get your 10% of that, it's, you know, 20 cents. But you could be pulling more people in who then will read other books of yours. And, and great... it increases your chance of perhaps making a list. Right, right. And it gives it just gives you some flexibility because yeah. you can go from nine ninety nine down to one ninety nine for a couple of weeks and then bump it back up mm-hmm. and 
and there's no harm. It's You can't really do that with a print book. Right. You can't just call up all the bookstores and say, right. hey, by the way, we want you to sell this book for only $1.99 this week. Effective tomorrow. Right. Yeah. You, can't, uh-huh. you can't do that. Yeah. There's no way to make that work. There's no way to enforce it. You can do that with an ebook. Yeah. So that's really interesting and I think valuable. Um, there are other things too. There are, are ways that you can add, um, you know, I always am pleased when my publisher puts a few sample chapters of another book of mine in the back of my ebook right. or a list of the books I've written, ideally with links to buy them right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if somebody finishes reading a book of mine and goes, wow, I want to read more of this, there's no friction at all. You tap yeah. something and boom, it's there. Uh, I have to say, even as an avid e-reader, I've never done that. Really? And that's because if you look at where I'm reading my books, yeah. it's on transit. Uh, and I'm not hooked up yeah. to Wi-Fi. Yeah. So I mean, I've, I done, I've that. done that before. I've, I've, I have finished a book and gotten to the end and thought, that was great. Oh, here's a link to buy the next book in the series. Yeah. Sold. Boom. Yeah. Done. No question. Um, you know, th- those are all valuable things, but... But they're not things that are going to make print books go away the way people thought they were. Right. And I think now we have some proof of that. Yeah. So anyway, that link will be in the show notes. Yes. But um, really interesting times, as always, as for always. the publishing industry. Yep. <laughs> um, I want to transition into uh, some writing talk here. And the thing I'm still struggling with is, uh, and I want to get your thoughts too. Sure. When... So when you're sort of taking a step back from writing or maybe writing as frequently or whatever, just trying to adjust your writing schedule, um, what's the balance between honoring your need for a break versus just being lazy? Oh, (laughs) I wish I knew. (laughs) Because listen, I'm really into, uh, I'm really into the idea of you have to honor what your body and your mind are telling you sometimes all all the time I would argue, but that's not always that easy to do. And I was talking to my sister and a friend the other day and they asked me how my writing was going. And I said, uh, to be honest, it's not like I have a very busy day at work. I come home, we put our kid to bed. We, well, we have dinner, we put our kid to bed. And then I am really enjoying sitting on my couch and reading and watching TV. Yeah. And I'm just trying to honor that. This sounds so ridiculous. I'm laughing as I say this because it sounds so ridiculous. But, like, I'm trying to honor that need because I yeah. know, obviously, it's a slightly different story. I'm incredibly pregnant. And very soon I won't have that kind of time. And my, my hours will be taken up in, in different ways. So I'm just trying to, again, honor the, the fact that I have two free hours a night each night now. And if I just want to chill out... <laughs> I should yeah. do that and not feel terribly guilty. So that's where I am right now. But am I just making excuses? I I don't think so for this reason. This is not what you do for a living. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have a full-time job where you work very hard every day, all day. And there is no shame in saying, oh, my God, I need a break. Right. You know, when I do that, it's it gets to the point where it becomes ridiculous when it's like, what did you get done today, sweetheart? Oh, I screwed around on Twitter all day, you know? <laughs> well, there's, there's a difference too, between nothing. I, I binge watched Luke Cage for two hey, weeks. Hey, no, hey, I'm, I'm just giving that as an example. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> Versus, you know, when we moved into this house, there was so much stuff yeah. that for a long time I would come home and be like, Hey, what'd you do today? And you would tell me, and it would be this list of house stuff. Right. 
And then you'd be like, well, didn't get to write today. Yeah. And, and I know, I, f- I feel like you felt bad about that. But you weren't slacking. You were doing a whole bunch of things that needed to be done. I, I felt bad because there was some part of me that thought I should be accomplishing more with each day. Mm. And, and I think at one point I said to you, you know, everything was taking three times as long as I thought yeah. it should take. Yeah. You know, even if it was something as simple as, as hanging a picture on the wall. Yeah. That like the walls. That's a, that's a story for that's a separate podcast. Like we bought this house that was built like in the 1930s, 30s. and you know it's not a wall like you would find in a modern house. Yeah. it's something it, called it's difficult. It's something called lathe and plaster, and so you can't use a stud finder. And if you drill in the wrong place, the wall just crumbles. Yes, literally, um, literally, <laughs> and and you know. So it was taking me forever to get done these things that would normally take very little time. Yeah. And it was very, very, very frustrating for Which, me. by the way, explains why we still don't have anything hanging on the walls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, except in the places where the people who lived here before us left, left nails. Left a nail. Uh-huh. Then we hung things there. I wish they had left more. Oh, <laughs> how I wish. <laughs> no, but I do, you know, I do, like, you right now, you are actively working on several projects. So you're writing every day. Yeah. And what if tomorrow you are just stretched to the limit and you're like, I I just need to not write today? Yeah. Do you feel bad at the end of the day? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because it's my job to write. Okay. Uh, I especially feel bad because right now the, the one thing that I'm very focused on is something that I thought was going to be done a few weeks ago. Mm. And again, life got in the way. Uh, I can't even remember what it was now, but there was just a string of days where I couldn't work on it because there were other things happening. Yeah. Um, some good, some bad. And so, yeah, you know, if if tomorrow I don't get to work on this, I will feel bad because it should have been done a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and it wasn't. And it's getting towards, it's almost Thanksgiving. In fact, this podcast will probably go up on Thanksgiving. Right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. Um to our foreign listeners, happy Thursday. Find, find a racist relative and have a big meal with them and try not to talk about politics. You'll get a general sense of what it's like. Um, Spend 18 hours cooking a meal that you will eat, eat in 14 30 minutes. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, why do we do this? Anyway, that's a topic for another time. But... You know, uh, the you know the the dirty one of the dirty little secrets of publishing is it basically shuts down between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, not my job, not your job. No, yeah, but, certainly the, the but publishing on, process on the, on yeah. the editorial side. Uh-huh. Not much happens. So you know, if I had given this to my agent a few weeks ago, maybe we would have shown it to some people by now, mm. and maybe we'd have some interest. But I'm not going to get it to her until probably after Thanksgiving now. And she will say, that's nice, but there's nobody around. There's right. no point in showing it to anybody, which means because I was off by a couple of weeks, mm, now, now I have to off. wait months. I was, yeah. And that frustrates me. Yeah. I will say, you know, talking about taking breaks, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, you know, I used to, used to be my tradition that I would give myself a vacation every December. That's right. I would tell myself, you know, for the week or so after Thanksgiving, I would say, you know what, I'm going to take the month of December off. Um, 
which sounds really luxurious, but it's it's four weeks, and some people get like three weeks vacation, and I work constantly. Like I work on weekends, I work on holidays, mm-hmm. so I feel like taking a four week vacation is not yeah. as extreme. It's not like you're working nine to five right. five days a week and right. then taking a month off. Right. Yeah. It's not quite as extravagant as it seems. But what would always happen is I would I would take that month off and I'd get caught up on video games and binge watch stuff that I'd missed out on and all that. And New Year's would roll around and, you know, inertia. Uh, a right. writer a writer at rest tends to stay at rest. And it would be like Martin Luther King Day before I would actually get back to work. Yeah. So I would lose a couple more weeks there. God, that's so true, though. Yeah. A writer at rest stays at yeah. rest. Yeah. And that is the, you know, and that's the tough thing is when you get back into it. Mm-hmm. But there are techniques for easing yourself back into it, ways to do it. Um, because you, the, worst, the worst thing to do is to try to force yourself back into writing and and then disappoint yourself and then get frustrated and just give up again. Yeah. So, like, you know, I would ease myself in with, like, okay, today I'm literally going to spend 25 minutes writing. Right. Like, in an entire day. Yeah. Because you can do that. Yeah. You can do that. And then you feel like you've achieved something. And then you slowly work yourself up. Mm-hmm. What is that quote about... Um... When you choose to become a writer, you're basically choosing to have homework for the rest of your life. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that a saying? I've seen some some stuff yeah. about that, and that that is what it feels like. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, I've said before, like, I started writing I Hunt Killers Christmas morning, 2009. Wow. Like, you know, I found out the publisher definitely wanted it, and it was... You know, we found out a couple days before Christmas. I woke up Christmas morning. I knew I didn't have to be anywhere for several hours. And I was like, I might as well get to work. Yeah. And I started writing um, because that's what I do. Um, You know, I write on holidays. I write on weekends. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it it is beyond a full-time job. So speaking of beyond full-time jobs, let's talk about parenting. (laughs) So there's something I'm struggling with right now. Boy, I feel like this episode could be called Morgan Struggles. Maybe it will be the one where (laughs) Morgan struggles. The one where I'm just struggling. Um, uh, I'm very pregnant. And I'm feeling it. Yeah. Which means that I do feel like I'm not giving my all to our daughter when I'm with her. Aw, I think you are. That's sweet. Thank you. But, but like, especially on weekends when we have some free time, I have been finding myself the past couple of weeks letting her happily, I should add, play independently in front yeah. of me on the floor with her toys while I just relax on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes flipping through a magazine, sometimes watching something on TV. And I do feel like I'm giving her the iPad a little bit longer than I would normally do so. Well, yeah, that you're definitely doing. Yes. I, I, I can, I can attest to that. I have <laughs> because noticed. I'm like, Oh good. It's another break, you yeah. know? And it, so it's, it's just this funny thing that like, as I get more physically tired and um, I mean, I, I feel like a whale these days. So it's, it's, it's quite literally hard for me sometimes to lean over and get my glass of water from the table. Like, right. um, so, so, it's just really funny watching myself, like observing myself as a parent and how that's changing. And um, I just wonder, too, what that means for when the baby boy is here. Oof. Because how do you, like, God, when one, kid, when one kid takes up so much of your time and energy, and I mean that in a good way, like, obviously, we adore our sure. kid. I love it. What, how do you double that? Like, where does that double energy come from? And or are you just like splitting your energy in half? And then I feel bad for 
the first kid. So I don't know. These are things I'm, I'm thinking about. First of all, two things. Number one, don't feel bad for the first kid. Feel bad for the second kid who never got 100% <laughs> But of that means energy. he doesn't, he won't know. It doesn't matter. He still got shortchanged. But he doesn't know that again. It doesn't like, matter. It does matter. No. I, I'm sure I was a twin and this, like I have an older sister. I am sure that I did not get the bulk of the attention when I was a kid. And I don't know. And I still feel like the most loved person in the world. You shouldn't. The second thing, <laughs> the second thing is, this is a hell of a time to realize this. <laughs> the time to realize this was before you got pregnant. Yeah. Now you got no choice. Now you just well, got to figure it out, I dude. I can't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that ship has sailed. Yes. That ship is is on the pregnant waters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I don't, you know, it's just fun. Do you find, I, I mean, what do you, are you going to think about this when uh, when he's here? Like, how yeah. does your time it's shift? Gonna, it's going to be tough. I mean. I mean, first of all, it's so funny because when, when our daughter wakes up from an, her nap, for example, she's very clingy for at least it's, 20 minutes. It's gotten. It has gotten bad. It's I gotten think. out of hand. Yeah. Like yeah. she, I, and by clingy, I mean like crying and won't let go of me. Right. And there's nothing wrong. She just doesn't like that transition between waking and sleeping. Right. right. Um, and I was thinking today, like, it, she's not going to be able to do this. Like, I'm not going to be able to hold. I mean, maybe I am, but not all the time. And right. certainly not for as long as she's going to want me to right. when, when the new baby is here. And I, yeah, how do you explain that to a two-year-old? I don't know. If anybody out there has any suggestions, by the way, on how to handle this sort of thing, let us know. Yeah. Because, yeah, it, it started off where just every now and then she would be whiny when she would wake up. And now it's just every single time. It's like full-on tears, too, yeah, like for no reason. Tears and just upset. Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't get it. It's it's strange. Um, and, I, you know, I don't want to overthink this. Obviously, many people have multiple children and everyone is doing just fine. Most people, I'm sure. But, um, but I would love just to, I don't know, some reassurance, I don't know, some reassurance that, uh, it's not going to feel like I'm, I'm treating our daughter terribly because I can't spend as much time with her. So I don't know. I think part of the solution, I mean, really, you know, one of the things the pediatrician told us when, when she was in for her two year checkup was he said, try to just find a way where you can spend even just 15 minutes yeah. just with her. Right. And, and, and like, to me, that feels sort of cheap, but she's two. So yeah. maybe to her, that, that makes all the difference. Right. Well, and I, I am hearkening back to what we said in the last episode um, with Janet Lansbury's advice, right. where she says, you know, as long as you're paying, as long as you're 100% in the moment when you're doing all of those um, daily things, multiple times a day things that right. you have to do anyway. So when you're changing diaper, when you're bathing, when you're putting them to bed, as long as you're 100% present there, that's probably enough. Yeah. So I think about that. And, you know, in addition, that idea of 15 to 25 extra minutes of just totally focusing right. on that kid, just the two of you. Uh, and I think that goes a really long way. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So, okay. I Let's guess hope. Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> I guess that's our approach. <laughs> um, so it is Thanksgiving. And I want us to talk for a second about favorite Thanksgiving traditions. Ah. They don't have to be writing or parenting related. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I used to love most, first of all, I love Thanksgiving generally as a holiday because it just feels very no pressure because there's not gifts. There's not 
a religious ceremony. You know what I mean? It's you're literally just getting together with ideally the people you love and having some wonderful food. Um, I can hear some people laughing already because, and by some people, I mean my family, because of course I don't feel any pressure. I've never hosted Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) So apologies. You just get to show up. I do. I I get to bake a single pie and show up and and be served. How Um, do I end up baking more pies than you? I know. It's funny. We do. We are the, we are the pie people for for our Thanksgivings, um, which I'm excited to make in a couple of days. But anyway, so one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions twofold one is fx the network used to play an x-files marathon on black friday every year for like 10 years and they've stopped it uh and have for a few years now but it used to be so fun because my family like most of us are huge x-files fans and we would just have it on like all day black friday no matter what we were doing which was really fun and the second one is also TV slash movie related, which is that usually on Thanksgiving night, we watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation yes. as a family tradition, which I very much enjoy. So how about you? Any traditions? Well, you know, when uh, not not to be maudlin or anything, but when your parents get divorced, like a lot of those traditions go out yeah. the window and uh, and you don't get the chance to sort of reclaim them. But uh, once I was an adult and and not living at home anymore, uh, one of the things I really loved was I made it a point. Um, every year of driving to Connecticut from Maryland to spend Thanksgiving with my grandparents, oh, that's nice. which I really liked. Um, it was a hassle sometimes because traffic and all that, but I would do it. And my brother was living in California at the time and he would fly out. So it was the one time a year where I really got to hang out with him and we would spend the time with our grandparents. And it was really, oh, it was nice. really, really great. Yeah. Um, a tradition. I like how shallow mine is versus yours. <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch lots of TV. Well, hang on, because I'm going to get shallow here. <laughs> the other thing I really enjoyed for for the brief period of time where uh, my brother lived in Las Vegas, and I lived there too. And even when I wasn't living there, I would go visit him mm-hmm. um, at Thanksgiving time. Uh, we uh, Black Friday we would go to the stores together because my brother is an insane shopper. He is a big shopaholic. It's hilarious. And what's hilarious about it is not that he likes to go to the store and shop. What's hilarious about it is you have to understand my brother um, is a logistical and math genius. And I don't say that lightly. Like he's legit, like, you know, a genius in that regard. So he takes this incredible incredibly precise approach uh-huh. to shopping on black friday like he's got it all laid out ahead of time exactly wow. what he needs at every store and the most efficient route and everything and not in like an autistic way mm-hmm. or anything but just in a really well thought out way and you look at it and it goes yep that makes perfect sense yeah. like i don't know how anybody goes shopping without doing one that. would argue and that's it's probably so the much only fun. way you can survive black friday actually I, yeah successfully and, and, and it's the only time i've ever enjoyed that kind of thing when i go with him because he he just knows exactly yeah. what he's doing, and we would just have a great time, and it would be hilarious, and and all these other people are just running around randomly, chaotically trying to find things, and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, so I, I love that, and I miss that actually. I mean, I haven't done that with him in years. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that that was that was a tradition that I enjoyed. <laughs> all right, so let's wrap up here with a look at what we've been reading. Yeah, because I we've. As I said earlier, I've been escaping a lot, and uh, I've had some really good book recs. So do you want to start? Sure. I am currently reading The Indestructibles by Matthew Fillion. Um, uh, It's the first book in a series about some uh, teenage superheroes. 
And uh, I met Matt at uh, another anime convention in New Hampshire about a month or so ago. And he was a really nice guy, and we hit it off. And uh, I thought, oh, you know what? I, I When I meet people, when I meet writers, I try to support them. I try to buy and read their books. Um, it used to be that I had a policy of, you know, if I was going to be on a panel with somebody, I would buy and read their book. Um, I do way too much travel now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I would be broken. I would never read any of these things. <laughs> Um, but Matt and I spent a lot of time together and he seemed like a really nice guy and I bought his first book and I'm, I'm reading it right now. So the, the indestructibles, what is it? Is it YA? Is it a graphic novel? It's YA. Oh yeah. It's not a graphic novel. It's it's a novel. It's yeah. Okay. Okay. What about you? Well, I have two recommendations and both of them were handed to me by my sister. Okay. Print hardcovers. Uh, the first is Ann Patchett's Commonwealth, which I raced through and loved, and the second is Maria Semple's newest book, which is Today Will Be Different. Um, Maria Semple wrote Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which was one of my favorite books from a few years ago. Laugh out loud funny. And as you may recall, I was laughing out loud several yes. times yes. with Today Will Be Different. <laughs> um, but both of them, even with the even with Ann Patchett's Commonwealth, um, I think I laughed out loud at one point. And you were like, what? And I was like, I have to tell you this part. <laughs> and I did. So anyway, they were both really, I think, outstanding books and... Um, I want to thank both Anne and Maria for saving my sanity over the past 10 days. Cool. Yeah. So I think that's it for us, everyone. Thank you so much. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yes. Even if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, have a wonderful one anyway. Exactly. Visit us online at writinginreallife.com. Follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And then make sure you check us out in iTunes where you can subscribe to us and leave us a rating. Thanks so much, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.